0: If more of you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Right? God, go. The blah
1: blah blah. The blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. The blah blah blah. Good vibes. The blah blah blah. Good vibes. The blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths
2: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
3: you know, the law of attraction is interesting. Within the simulation context, it makes a little more sense because, you know, if you've ever played a game like Minecraft or uh, Second Life, you can create physical objects, right? And you can change your character.
0: Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with friend of the show, Rizwan Verk. a little bit later. I think I call him a friend of the show. We hit it off pretty good. And then they transferred us our entire back catalog of video over to their new company, Bitmovio and set us up an account there and announced us in the newsletter and everything. So that was fantastic. We're excited to be over there. Um, By Wednesday, the 14th, we should be live streaming there on the Bitmovio platform. So head over there. There'll be a link in the show notes, Head over there and check us out there. Check out the live stream, join the conversation and uh, we'll see how fun it is. And everybody's favorite co-host over here, Graham Simulated Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. Not too bad. You're wearing flip flops. I am. Yeah. It's like 10 degrees. I know. It's, it's, it's just, we go from, you know, summer to It's unbelievable. To fall. But it, Has it been summer? Out. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we had the hottest day there the other day that we've had in a while, in a couple of years. But, I mean, summer's been the shits. I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I mean, it just of, seems like they have a new high. That, the new those... high is like 25. So I can say that I've noticed in the in the 20 years I've lived in Calgary. Have I lived here 20 years? Holy fuck. Have you no, really? No, I've only lived here 18, 19, 17 years. And I've noticed that... The winters are getting worse And the summers, and the summers are, getting, are getting worse I know, I know and it's, yet It's a real shame But Yeah, we had that 33 degree mm-hmm. day That was the hottest day we've had in a while and today it's, I mean, it's August, what, 9th, 10th?
2: Yeah, I remember Yeah, I remember a few, like 10, 15 years ago Maybe even 20 That driving through the interior of BC It would be like 41
0: degrees Like it was insanely hot So it's August 10th It's 10 degrees so that's times 1.8, give you 18, plus 32, 18 plus 3. So it's 50 degrees Fahrenheit. In, well. The, in the dog days of summer. I, I think you finally got a hold of Tony Heller, and we're going to yes, have him on the show. We are. And
2: he's he's really been showing So what's his name? On, is
0: it Tony Heller or Steve God? I don't
2: know who it is. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it's a real I mystery don't know. It's me. a real mystery. I know. I can't figure it out. But it doesn't really matter. And it's from real, well, real Climate Science. and And, you know, he's showing how they take away – The part of the temperature record that they don't want us to see, you know? And when he, when he shows all this stuff, it really makes me question whether we are even global warming or whether it's just strictly climate change. So, you know, we had a great chat with Rizwan Verk here and we're going to have, we're going to be on this Bitmovio platform, which is not, there's no censorship on it. As far as as I know, like we can talk about global warming and stuff. How can it not be a simulation? How Uh, can it not be like Epstein's
0: dead today? I know. And he's dead on eight. Ah, oh, don't get he's into that. He's dead on it's, the dates. A, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. It's like, it's actually Hillary, as soon as I read that, Hillary, I was like, it's a fucking simulation. Yeah. If you, day, if you line up the day, month, and year, it's Hillary's initials. I know. No. HRS. It's not, H-R-S. No,
2: she's, she's HRC, Darren. Oh. It's it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not her. It's well, not her initials. It's, it's the... Uh, it's the Hillary something suicide, right? Hillary. Uh, I just, I can't oh, remember it's even it's worse it. than that. So yeah. it's total cheese. Yeah, it's cheese. It's just, it's just making it. shit up. Uh, Hillary Epstein's suicide, maybe? Hillary Epstein maybe. suicide or Epstein-Hillary suicide? So, yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's, That's
0: terrible.
2: It. I know. That's but we've got to be able to talk about it and joke about it without getting
0: censored off of YouTube and all well, this.
2: And, and so this is something I want to talk about. Because I think
0: he got extracted. They said he was still alive when they put him in the van, in the ambulance. In the ambulance? Yeah, the van. That's what it probably was.
2: The vambulance. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have
0: guests all the time. We could have great titles. <laughs> yeah.
2: So you're thinking of uh, that he's been taken into other custody, kept alive because he's still going to squeal. No,
0: no. I think Mossad took him back. Then they had like a total lookalike. They threw in the van.
2: So they took him back to actually like, oh, you thinking like not extracted to protect so he can squeal? But you're thinking like saved actually, yeah, so oh, he can't wow. squeal. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, Jeez. that sucks. That's really bad if that happened. A bunch of the files came out though, didn't they? I I'm not sure what's going on honestly. I haven't. I just have not had time to keep up with Me I mean, it. A lot of people are. I
0: mean, we on got people that. that are on top of it. We got to do an episode it on it, like, like
2: a full blown episode because there's a well, lot let's get... of stuff to it. I mean, it goes deep. We want to get uh, amazing Pauly from Canada on or something like she that? She said no. Did she really?
0: Please come on, Pauly. I'm sure she listens. She's I nervous. don't. Think so. I think she's nervous. Yeah, it's a live thing.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, it's not, we're not. We're we not don't live. have to do it live. We don't have to do it live. Yeah. We won't do it live. You can even review the show before we before we submit it if you want. But it is different. If you're a YouTuber and you're going through script and you're and you're editing a video together, no it's different than going on on you know. I podcast control. Right? And get her I get mean, approval. Nothing like that. All right. Anyways. No edits. Anyways, the thing is.
0: Can't start editing. The th- People notice the cuts. that will be it. that will be it. Who said we're It'd be ruined.
2: I didn't say that. I just said she can okay. review it and approve it. All right. And then you can have say whether you edit or not.
0: Okay. No edits.
2: No edits. So part of the thing is we want to be on, we got to spread out on other platforms. Cause you, I mean, oh, I've yeah, been watching a lot great. of YouTube. Like, I'm kind of. I'm waiting to YouTube, for YouTube. You know, so, I made some effort here to, like, I downloaded the app Bitmovio, and I think this is what people should start doing. Like, I have to do it myself. Like, I have to start participating on the other platforms myself. Like, I got to stop watching YouTube, start watching these other platforms. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Like, I can't just keep talking about these other platforms. Like, and not use it. Whether we're yeah, on, like, BitChute and Minds and these other ones. Like, I
0: have to just get, I mean, go to the point where... I, right? I think about deleting Twitter sometimes. It's <laughs> like, hey, if I deleted Twitter, then I would just be on Minds all the time. But I can't do it. I know. There's
2: well, your Twitter's important for us as a Twitter's show as super, well. right now yeah, that's like still I'm, the connection. I'm connecting. reaching out
0: to people all day every yeah, day on Twitter. Yeah, I
2: think that's that's important right now. And that, but YouTube's a bit different because we have to transition off there eventually. It's just part of this Google Google The problem is YouTube help,
0: helps me transition off of Netflix. I mean, it's not like I watch a lot of stuff anyway. I'm watching maybe fucking I would say less than 3 hours a week of video. Unless you count, like, the cartoons on in the background from time to time. Or kids' movies. But I watched First Man the other day. So, yeah, like, it was, I forget what night it was. But I was like, you know what? I'd watch a movie. Where was that? On YouTube? Yep, I rented it on
2: YouTube. How much did that cost? Three bucks. Hmm.
0: Because it's just, honestly, I'd rather pay the three bucks than go through the hassle of fucking stealing it.
2: Oh yeah no yeah. i'm I'm fine with that. It's just you could have what about That's Netflix, what I could or? see
0: YouTube as being as a good movie rental platform. I like that idea of using it as that because there isn't really i mean we don't get Hulu and stuff here, so and so we get like our shitty Canadian Netflix, there's nothing really much on there, and I'm just sort of trying to go away from Netflix because. I don't know. I think there's a lot of, like, messaging. It is pretty yeah. It's pretty dark, actually. So I'm just like, and then it's like YouTube. But YouTube, the one thing I do on YouTube is I do rent some movies. So I, I watch First Man. Then I think I'm going to watch a Neil Armstrong documentary, one of the conspiracy ones. But he was a weird cat for sure. And uh, I tell you, I watch First Man. I'm like, I'm back on the maybe we didn't go to the moon.
2: What made you, what What was the key part of that, that that made you?
0: They really sort of gloss over, and I think it's probably because they ran out of time. Um, oh, that's, come, that's a shitty excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back off of the moon. And I'm like, what are the chances you get that right the first time with no chance? You haven't been to the moon yet. You have no idea what you're dealing with, what conditions you're dealing with. You don't know what you're landing on. Yeah, they talk they, about they, how Neil, they, they, they Neil they was lie. worried about how deep the dust was going to be. Yeah, so what? But they managed to, the first try, they managed to take this fucking thing off of the surface of the moon and hook it back up to this fucking thing that's orbiting around. So, and then blast off back home. Yeah. So. But that can't be the reason why you think. Yeah, that's it. That's got me thinking that, that, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't think the first guy, it shouldn't have worked out the first time. The chances of it working out Three times in a row because nobody died directly in that part. Nobody died on the moon.
2: Well, why, why, why should people die? I don't understand.
0: Well, just think of what the fucking, think how many people died getting off of the planet or learning how to orbit.
2: Yeah, but that, so that's all been done already. Now all they got
0: to do is get to the moon. All they got to do is get to this fucking foreign object that we've never actually been on 250,000 miles away. We got to get there. We've got some, well, we, we've run some tests on what we think the gravity is. So we're probably pretty close, but we don't know for sure. We don't know exactly where we're taken off from Everything's sort of up in the air. But then, so you've now landed with this thing that, you know, you land the, the lunar lander and now you got to take it back off. And I just think that for that to happen three times in a row and link back up with the luminar orbiter back above, and hit the gas at the right time that you break the moon's orbit and head right back to Earth, I mean, I don't know. It's astronomical. The odds have got to be astronomical. And I've never actually just thought of it from that perspective before. Just the perspective of getting the fuck off the moon, hooking up with this thing that's orbiting it, So and does that back.
2: mean you don't believe in the Nazi bases on the dark side of the moon, and that like there's actually like...
0: You know, secret space program has been doing it for decades prior. That could be a, if that's the only way is if they were doing it for decades prior, or maybe they they've been doing it since. But I think that it was probably all theatrics in the beginning. They were like, "We're not close." We can't afford to, you know. Well, cause people it, are going to die like a motherfucker trying to figure this out. Isn't it kind so of proven let's that, that, get, a, lot, the, that get, a lot
2: of it was filmed anyways? To, yeah. To, like, so it's
0: like let's just get them off of our back. Let's get the country and the global media off of our back. Oh, we went to the moon, and so you know, have they by been then since? they're already. Like, did China we, go then? Since? Well, China didn't go. No, no one's gone since. Didn't
2: they go recently? The like A couple of years or ago? Oh, didn't?
0: Yeah. See. Hmm. No people have gone. Let's see. I'm going to just double check that I'm right about that. About what part? What part? Uh, that no astronauts died landing on or taking off from the moon. Twelve astronauts walked on the moon's surface and six of them drove around on the <laughs> moon. While well, three astronauts flew to the moon twice, of which two landed. None landed on the moon more than once. The nine Apollo missions, to the moon. blah, blah, blah. So none of them died. Yeah, none of them died. Yeah, well, I mean, there's some oddities for sure, but I, I, I think. That's that. the part that just, and I was just watching the movie trying to enjoy it. And then, uh, you know, I was just like, that's the part where I was like, there's no way they did that. So does that mean they went even more? So does that mean that they went six times? I think so, yeah. So they went six times and no one not every time they just managed to thing Well there was that close call, wasn't there? That one Polo thirteen yeah. like didn't land though. Stuff broke on the way. Right, right. And that's because everyone was losing interest. No one gave a fuck. And they're like, Oh god, they're gonna die and then everyone's back all in. And then uh, that I was
2: it. Know. That seems like a big a lot of effort for you know.
0: You should watch the movie.
2: Maybe. Yeah, I'll try. What's well, yeah. called the first man? First I'll man. put a link
0: in the show notes. Yeah.
2: All right. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: interesting. I just think the odds are crazy. Well, maybe. When you look at how many astronauts died getting to that point. And that's like, eh, it's all good. That part's easy. Landing on the moon and taking off of the moon are easy. That's the easy part. To me that's probably the hardest part.
2: Well, have you watched C's all moon uh, video uh, YouTube channel at all? No. I forwarded it to you. You got to try and get that guy on Twitter. I'm um, a friend of mine, Brian from the Hats Talent, telling us to get him on. And he does telescope stuff in the moon. He's seeing a lot of shit. That's pretty crazy. Really? So I haven't gotten too deep into it, but you know, they, there's a lot of moon conspiracies that could line up with your theory because maybe they're maybe they they they, they, they can't they can't go there. They're not allowed to go there. You know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Something weird happened there. There's some pretty weird looking things on the moon. We got to do a moon show. Yeah, we should.
2: Hey, we got to get Bruce all on.
0: Sure. And then uh Louis Proud, owes oh, us a moon show too. Yeah. I'm not going to reach out to him too. Well,
2: one-day one Randall will be ready to come out with moon stuff.
0: You know, I was actually talking to Cyrus Wednesday. No, not Wednesday. Thursday night about this. Um Tucker kept me up till midnight talking on the phone about Randall's. And he's like, if you listen to Randall's lectures, it goes into a lot more detail about the moon stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Oh, the lectures. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it gets into the like. You mean, you mean his, his um, not his lectures, but his video series is what you're talking no about? No lectures. Like I think Cyrus has tracked down some old lectures oh. and stuff like that that are a little harder to find. I and mean, he Cyrus has some of his, his own theories about the moon. What are they? We should have them on. Ask them. Yeah. Something to do with like a giant steel plate at the South Pole. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So,
2: what do you got? I got a couple of quotes and um, I think I got a listener synchronicity here as well to talk about. A listener sync, Yeah. It's like an email. <laughs>
1: Profound court of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound court of the week. Can you guess the human who's okay. smoking already? This is the octave
2: This is from the Octopus of Global Control. This is from the chapter. This is from Charlie Robinson's book. I love this book. It's full of quotes. Cool. Physical control.
0: Charlie. Censored,
2: surveilled, and watch listed and jailed. Am I coming through okay there on the levels? Did Might you turn me down low. or something?
0: I think the main was down.
2: Oh, uh, is that going okay?
0: oh, to be okay? I hope we have
2: to. Don't. I can't. We can't do, redo this.
0: No, no. We'll just. Uh, the uh, the uh, phonic will fix it. The techno. sounds weird. It's because we fucked up the volume. Okay, I did personally
2: the, the technotronic era involves The gradual appearance of a more controlled society Oof. This is, this is oh. the theme Like this is the theme right okay, Out of chaos comes order It's like And the more I think about this Some of these old quotes from these elites They're creating all this chaos And that's what we're, we're in the midst of right now So they can completely clamp down and control it Oh yeah I mean it's It's like and people don't see it the people that are actually th- propagating that are the ones from the wrong side of history on 1984. Like I don't, it's everything's flipped around. I it's spent crazy. A couple
0: of years calling Trump and Hitler, and now they're begging him to take his guns. Yeah.
2: Oh boy, such a society would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. Soon, it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance of every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the by the authorities. Chomsky. <laughs> That's from Zygmiev Brzezinski. Between ah, two ages. I gotta add Brzezinski. America's role in the technotronic era. It's Brzezinski a lot. I got another one here, too, because this is is kind of, you know, why we need to get on other platforms. Big Brother, in the form of an increasingly powerful government and in an increasingly powerful private sector, will pile the records high with reasons why privacy should give way to national security, to law and order, to the efficiency of operation, to scientific advancement, and the like. Ugh. So that's uh, William O. Douglas, former U.S. Supreme Court Justice. Even, oof, scary shit. Honestly, I, you know, like, and you know, and that, and the sad thing is, with all these shootings, and now we got Trump saying that you know we need to have red flag, you know, red flag stuff, and. And You know, more background checks for guns. and I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I don't even have really an opinion about that. But there's so much fake news about these shootings, it's unbelievable. It's just they're, they're doubling down completely on the lies. And I mean, you know, the amount of people that are falling for it, it just blows me away. It doesn't take much to research that they're complete lies.
0: Well, yeah. Definitely can't trust the media. We should do a black budget show about it. This, sure. We can't do that Wednesday. We got way too much shit yeah, to do we got Wednesday. We
2: three interviews on Wednesday. What What's your Tuesday like? Oh, it's busy too.
0: No, we'll see. Uh, anyway, we should give out the Bitmovie. I will give out the Bitmovie URL. It is I B-I-T-M-O-V O slash channel slash Grand America show. Nice. And all our stuff's there. We got. Do, go we have,
2: do we have an actual page? Somebody was saying we don't have a page. This is it here. Oh, we do have one.
0: Yeah, hmm. there's all our videos. They're not in order. I could order them. Maybe they are, not they're in. Yeah, they are in order. Yeah. So go sign up. Everything's free there as usual. Go sign up. Let us know what you think. Uh, take it for a test drive, maybe watch a video or two. There's a little tip button there. I don't know how that works. We prefer you just use the support page. Yeah, we're still on there for free. Like we we're not uh monetizing them yet. We only got two followers, so we could use a couple more followers. Bitmovie, bitmove.io, grammar show. Uh you got a synchro? Sure, yeah. This is a this is a good one. A good one. Well, it's also a tip,
2: a, a tip for Kachari Mudra. <laughs>
1: I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet.
0: So, this, this Epstein is Epstein. might uh, flip a lot of people over to the
2: conspiracy side. Oh, jeez, that's the thing, right? Yeah. How can you not go into it? So this is synchro and a tip for Kachari Mudra. And that's where you put your tongue up, your nasal passage to reach your your third eye or your pineal gland. Let's hear it. Hey, Darren and Graham, hope this message finds you well. I've been meaning to send this for quite some time. Listening for nearly two years now. The synchro. Five years ago, my tattoo artist friend suggested a back piece for me on a whim and out of the blue. Now kind a back piece? Well, now I've met my friend a couple of years prior and begun getting more tattoo work from him because the conversation and we had common interests. So I got a few more tattoos from him and then I began to spiral into a very dark place. You know what? I wonder what the tattoos were.
0: Yeah, you have to see a picture.
2: No, 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 no. I oh. mean, I wonder if they contributed to the spiral
0: because they are sigils. I mean, that's what I mean. It'd be interesting to see what the tattoo, yeah, I don't what think the symbology gets that. is.
2: Living fast and too much fun began to turn on me. For a period of around 12 months, I was a full-on junkie. Now, I've always prided myself on living paradoxically. I'm a yoga teacher. But this had gone beyond that. I went deeper and deeper into the darkness until my body can no longer take it. I was in DKA, that's diabetic ketoacidosis for somewhere between two two and four weeks. At six foot four, I was admitted into the ER weighing 140 pounds as a type one diabetic. The doctors say it was an underlying genetic mutation, but I believe I locked my body up physically and energetically by my drug use. Like sitting long periods of time doing one activity, speed. After leaving the hospital and subsequently getting clean, I began my back piece. My friend and I cranked away at the line work. Around the time of the completion of the outline work, I found a video about Tibetan yogis. In it, there was a a portion on Tibetan astrology. I looked into my Tibetan astrology only to find that my birth Buddha is named Varapani. Varapani is the Tibetan depictant of Fudo Fudomayu. Fudomayu is a Japanese figure in esoteric Buddhism, is a demon slayer and dubbed chief of the mantra kings. Before I went into some of the darkest days of my life, I had a verbal commitment to tattoo to unknowingly my birth Buddha onto my back. Ten out of ten? Would synchro again? Shut the fuck up there and you know that's good. <laughs> so did you catch that So he was He was already committed to that And while he was I think he was in the middle of it Or while he was doing it He, he realized that 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 uh, Tibetan Astrology Like the chief and the mantra kings The demon slayer And this is after he came out of his dark See that's interesting I wonder what put him into that Cause this tattoo probably Or that Helped him get out of it Maybe completely Maybe completely. Is that a and synchro? it ended up being well, yeah, he was already tattooing the thing that he ended up looking up and realizing like
0: that that's his shouldn't he have looked it up before he started well, tattooing. I know, that's it? what I mean. That's why it's a shoot synchro. From the hip. That's why it's a synchro. <laughs> I admire his gusto.
2: So I'll let you think about that. The Kachari Mudra part in that what previous if it would have
0: made the what if it would have meant the complete opposite? Would he have stopped? I don't understand. Like, what if he would have looked it up and it would have been like, oh, by the way, this means uh, child killer. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Twist that line the other way. We're making it. Well, yeah. I wonder what,
2: I mean, yeah, hopefully. Turn that into something else. I mean, imagine. If it wasn't Demon Slayer, it was the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Demon fucker. All right, I'll give it an 8.3. Okay, that's pretty good. 8.3. That's up there. Kachari Kachari Mudra. In that previous story, I mentioned physical and energetic blocks or locks in the body. Facial tissue surrounds all membrane inside our body, muscle tissue, organ tissue. Prana is sent through the facial tissue. And when we repeatedly don't move enough or do repetitive motions, think like carpal tunnel, the fascia begins to bind up. This is what causes the knots you get in your back, among many other areas. To achieve kachari mudra, you'll need to unlock the tissue in the front of your throat and up under your jaw. If you feel around in your throat and under your jaw and chin, I'm certain you will find what feels like lumps or bumps. Yeah, definitely. These are knots in your throat. If you'd like to learn a bit more, please contact me. You have a large and willing audience, and it would be wonderful to get more people to practice the yoga and follow the way. Love the show. Keep crushing. Grab me just about massage. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: What's so funny? Oh, nothing. You'll get there. There you go.
2: That's a good I can look. only just feel it I can't like my tongue won't fold and go up because it's all like like he said it's all locked up that's right so but I keep make you a better it. lover. I keep forgetting to do it though every day I gotta like do some stretching or something massaging
0: and stretching I'm getting all sorts of messages about the Epstein suicide
2: Are you? oh yeah oh yeah. Well, this is since this is releasing today, I think this episode, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's actually the timing is pretty decent to talk about it. The problem with us having to record these sometimes a few days or a week ahead of time, like that, you know, it's hard to talk about current events happening because it's so far back.
0: But what exactly. what kind of messages are you getting? Well, mostly just from coworkers. You're getting them too. You're on there. Yeah, I don't know. Just, all it's in.
2: all like, I don't believe a lot of the stuff we hear. I mean, how can you even believe that? Well,
0: that's the thing we're next you know? level. I mean, who's getting, we're, who's we're, getting that information? We're, right? we're cynical
2: at this point. So. Oh, I'm cynical <laughs> about everything. I mean, honestly, I don't even want to come to any real conclusions about stuff. Cause I just, I don't know if I'm just going to sit on that but fence.
0: But we're, we're cynical, but you have to, you still have to, you still have to be able to notice that those are people coming sure. over the, the other fences oh, that, you know, that yeah. are way back there. Oh
2: yeah. No, that's a,
0: Okay. A lot on of people that, are coming over to the conspiracy side today because they're point. like, there's no fucking way this guy killed him. That's a great point. So, like, how is the MSM going to handle this? Like, exa- I'm curious to no. see that. Or they're just like, he just hung himself. You know, he's, got, he's on 24-hour suicide watch, but he found a way. <laughs> These guys you're talking about.
2: Few months back, when I talk about how the mainstream media has so many lies, they weren't really on board hundred percent. Now they're coming to me and saying, "Do you can you believe how bad this is and the lies?" Like people are coming over.
0: Oh yeah, and at an at an incredible because, rate. But that's
2: what makes you wonder: is it on purpose? I mean, the mainstream media is lying so blatantly that it feels like a psyop in itself.
0: Oh, I just got something right? in the WhatsApp right? from Brian: pictures with Epstein in circles. What is it? Okay. Not saying anything after this. Okay, this isn't, just for the record, this is not our friend of the show, Brian, saying this. He's posted a screenshot from one of the message boards from an anonymous, anonymous ID, S-W-A-M-8-W-I-F. Not saying anything like this. Please do not try to dox me. But last night after 4.15 a.m. count, they took him in... Took him medical in a wheelchair, front cuffed, but not one triage nurse says they spoke to him. Next thing we know, a trip van shows up. We do not release on the weekends unless a judge orders. Next thing we know, he's put in a single man cell and hangs himself. Here's the thing, the trip van did not sign in and we did not record the plate number and a guy in a green dress military outfit was in the back of the van, according to the tower guy who led him through the gate. You guys, I am shaking right now, but I think they switched him out. So we have a circle here of Jeffrey Epstein's ears. And, oh, wow, this is very in depth. These guys don't often. Is that around. from Q? No, this is, I don't know who <laughs> it is. It might be. Here, take a look. It's a picture of Epstein's ears.
2: Oh, and they're showing the difference of Epstein's ears? Yeah. Yeah, he is a a very common-looking person.
0: Well, they're showing his ears.
2: I know. What about, so they're different?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's from Brian.
2: I know, but (laughs) he just, I don't know. I mean.
0: It's hard to say. I mean, it, ooh, that's a weird looking ear.
2: Yeah, elf elf ears. Anyways, it doesn't. It's all just smoke and mirrors. I mean, who knows what to believe? You know, oh. just hopefully somebody will go down from. You know, we know we know how deep the rabbit hole goes. Let's just hope that uh, Wikipedia yeah. happen. Look at the right?
0: Wikipedia update: Suicide Watch. Suicide Watch is an intensive monitoring process used to ensure that anyone except Jeffrey Epstein does not <laughs> accept suicide. Usually the term is used in reference to inmates or patients in a prison, hospital, psychiatric hospital, or military base. People are placed on Suicide Watch when it is believed that they will exhibit warning signs indicating that they may be at risk of committing bodily harm or fatal self.
2: I mean you gotta think this is bad for a lot of people they've
0: updated the wiki page it's bad for the Clintons too
2: because now everybody's gonna be like the body counts trending and you know that's just gonna cause more and more thousands and thousands more people to look into that and when they start looking into it it's like oh there's a kind of a few coincidences here you know eight of eight of my bodyguards have died wow that's quite quite a big percentage
0: I wonder what it is for other presidents
2: I don't know It can't be that high It can't be that high yeah. Huh I know bodyguards Are probably living A little bit You know Faster and looser Than most people You'd think But
0: Yeah Well we better wrap it up Get you on the road Yeah I gotta go Alright guys uh, Thanks for listening you Yeah I don't think We beg for support we Oh the Support, support so, the show but, Go the yeah. show. support We'll bypass the bag in this week, but uh, if you don't support the show, we'll have to cancel it. GrandMarket.ca slash support. Sign up for monthly. We love you. Uh, enjoy the chat with Rizwan Verk.
2: This has been in the works for a couple months, so we're super excited to have Rizwan Verk with us. He's uh, he currently runs Bay, Bayview Labs and Play Labs at MIT, and he's a video game industry pioneer, an independent film producer, and author. Oh, his latest book, which was fantastic, is the Simulation Hypothesis, something that we talk about a lot here. And it's an MIT computer scientist shows why AI, quantum physics, and Eastern mystics all agree that we are in a video game. So welcome to the show, Rizwan. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm
3: doing okay. How about yourself?
2: Yeah, we're okay today. <laughs> Darren's learning how to hack the simulation, so we want to talk about that for
3: sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, it's less that I'm learning how to hack it, and I think I just got some I got some more some reaffirmations. Uh, this last week, that's that maybe thought made me think that the path the path I've been trying to take to maybe influence it—I won't say hack it—it's more like subtly influence it uh, mm. seem to be on the right path. So, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are about that. I don't know if we want to dump jump right into the deep end of the pool right away like that. Yeah, we can start in the shallow end. Let's... Yeah, we should probably wade into that because yeah, <laughs> let's start in the shallow right because
3: that's a complex topic, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's one that that. I don't know. It seems it's getting harder and harder harder to refute. So it's like well relatively is going relativity is going down and popularity simulation is going up. So I mean at what point are they gonna be like equal?
2: <laughs> so I guess Yeah, it's true. I guess we could start with you You've been interested in this for a long time since you you know met video games back in the in the eighties probably, but when did you decide to to actually like write the book and get get into this for the for the broader public?
3: Well, yeah, like you said, I've been interested in this for a while I mean even going back to when I was playing Atari video games, and I would see like in the racing games there would be a set of bleachers. And I'd always wonder: Was there a virtual world, you know, <laughs> inside there, beyond the bleachers? Were there actual virtual people there? Uh, I mean, the answer ended up being no for those Atari eight-bit <laughs> video games. But then, as you know, I started to play some of the the MMORPGs, the three D games in the nineties and two thousands, and particularly virtual worlds like Second Life. I started to get even more intrigued by this question of, you know, is there a virtual world that exists when I'm not playing it? Yeah. Um, but probably the most direct uh experience that I had recently was uh, a couple years ago, uh, I think in 2016, I was playing a virtual reality game. And so, you know, I had on the, the VR headset. Yeah. And it was a ping pong game, uh table tennis game. And I had the controller in my hand and I started to to play. And the physics engine was so good that it felt like I was really playing ping pong. I mean I had a paddle in my hand and there was an actual table and there was an opponent on the other side of the table. Now, the resolution wasn't even that great. Um, I mean, if the, uh, the, the opponent was just kind of a blocky figure. But it felt so realistic that at the end of the game, I totally forgot that I was in virtual reality. And I felt like I was really playing ping pong. So I set the paddle down on the table, and I leaned against the table. And, of course, there was no table. <laughs> so the controller fell to the floor, and I almost fell over. And I realized that, oh, we're getting to that point of immersion where you know we may not be able to distinguish between physical reality and virtual reality. And I mean we're not quite there yet, but we'll get there. And so I started to think about what are some of the stages of technology that would be needed to get there. Uh, and that really led me you know more directly to writing the book. I'd also been interested in a lot of paranormal and uh, spiritual topics and and had kind of delved into some of the Eastern traditions. About how the world around us is Maya or illusion, which leads us to the question of what's beyond that. And so, all of those ideas kind of came together. Uh, really, about a year ago, when I wrote an article um, putting together some of my ideas, and it ended up being my most popular, you know, blog post ever. <laughs> so, I, was, I then decided to to go ahead and, and write a book and, and really flesh out these ideas.
2: Oh, that's great! Yeah, I'm not much of a video gamer myself, but I, I do remember playing in the '80s as well, and and I actually. It was Sim City that got me Video games in was, the 80s must have was, been. Yeah, it was Sim City in the late 80s early 90s that got me kind of addicted and Oof. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, this is like I'm staying up all night playing these simulation games." And then and then recently I I did try on the VR mask as well because my sister works at this Cloudhead uh, Cloudhead Games or VR developer on Vancouver Island. And uh, yeah. it's a game like, it's kind of like a Goonies meets uh, Mist, that game from the, the 90s or whatever. And you're fully immersed. Like you're, in, you're on the beach, you're in all these different environments. Like you're almost like in a movie. And and that's uh, what made me realize like the potential of of just being in this world. And now that like Facebook, I think, owns Oculus, like where are we going with this virtual world? Like, and then reading your book makes you think, you know, soon there's millions or billions of people are going to be plugged in literally plugged into another world
3: right it's kind of like uh, i don't know if you saw the the movie ready player one yeah where you know they had the oasis which was a virtual reality world and everybody used it for everything from going to school to you know fitness sports socializing all these different things and of course those are still you know with virtual reality glasses so although it's very possible you'll forget that you're in a virtual world. At some point, you'll be reminded because of the VR glasses. And uh, you know, I had another experience where it was an early VR uh, uh, game where I was inside a cave cavern complex, and they had a crypt to the right and, and a huge fall. And I was afraid to move my leg to the right <laughs> because I felt like I was going to actually fall into this crypt. Of course, there was no crypt. I was in a VR room. Ah, uh, but you know the question then is: At what point do we no longer need the glasses, uh, and at what point can we reproduce that experience? And you know this leads us to the 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 most popular incarnation of this idea in in, in science fiction, which is the Matrix, right? <laughs> because uh, even people who haven't seen the movie. You know, know the basic idea that Keanu Reeves is playing uh, Neo, he's a hacker, and he's living his kind of droll existence life, and he comes across Morpheus, who's played by Laurence Fishburne, who's named after the Greek god of dreams, who tells him, you have been living in a dream world, and I can't really tell you what the Matrix is, you have to be shown, and he gives him this choice of the red pill or the blue pill, uh, and Keanu Reeves, you know, Neo takes the red pill, and he wakes up inside a pod. So, it was so fully immersive that he wasn't aware that he was living a virtual world. And so, you know, in the book, I lay out 10 stages of development, video games and technology that would get us to that point, which I call the simulation point, the point at which we can create something like the matrix that uh, is, is quite indistinguishable. And it's not just about the resolution. So it turns out our pixel resolution has gotten quite good. Yeah, uh, Most movies you see today are uh, digital movies, you know, transmitted over digitally to the movie theater, and they project it at 2K resolution. Well, many screens now have 4K resolution, and pretty soon we're going to have 8K resolution. And if you've seen a movie like Blade Runner 2049 or The Avengers or the later Star Wars movies, the special effects blend in pretty well with the live action. and You sometimes can't tell the difference. Uh, that's because the pixel resolution is so good. But the problem with technolo- from a technology perspective is how do you render that in real time? Right and that's always been the problem with virtual reality is that, you know if you have the uh, glasses on and you move to the right or to the left you know you have to actually render the pixels moving and so that technology is getting better but it's not quite there you can't do that with photorealistic and so in in the book I lay out the 10 stages of technology development and you know, starting with text adventure games, which you know takes us back to the 1970s with the Adventure, and then the 80s with Zork. Then you have arcade games like Pac-Man and Space Invaders, and those were the games that I grew up with. Then you have more role-playing games where you take on a character, which started off with like King's Quest as graphical adventures. But if you've ever played any of those games, what you'll notice is the character kind of walks across the screen, and he gets to the edge of the screen, and the screen shifts. And what's really happening is that the pixels are moving, so all of those pixels are already rendered. Uh, So all of the screens are basically pixels stored in memory, and the computer is just moving them. But if you ask somebody in the the 80s, can you uh, render a fully 3D world like World of Warcraft, or Fortnite, or uh, uh, Second Life, or even The Sims Online, the answer would be no, there isn't enough computing power to render all of those pixels. But the real breakthrough came with 3D modeling where you didn't have to render all the pixels. You just had to have the shapes of the objects and then textures. And then the, the, the rule of thumb was only render that which can be observed mm-hmm. from your character. Right? And so that was kind of the big breakthrough that allowed us to do these 3D immersive virtual worlds at least on a screen. Uh, and, and so that's a key you know, part of development. Uh, virtual reality and augmented reality are like stages four and five uh, but we're still using glasses so if you remember when neo woke up outside the matrix he had a, an actual cable that was plugged into his his uh, neo Cortex, which is probably why, why they call him neo um, and they could swap out the simulation right they had the dojo the martial arts dojo and they had uh, the scene where you know there were lots of people in gray and one woman in red who is a, a virtual character or what we would call in, in, in the video game world an NPC, a non-player character, right? And so that is area is called, today, it's called BCI, or Brain Computer Interface. And so the question is, will we be able to beam scenes directly to the brain, and then, will we be able to read your responses, <laughs> just like when I was playing ping pong? Will we be able to read them directly from the brain and send them back to the cloud? And if we can do that, then we're well on our way to reaching this theoretical point. Uh, and then there's AI having realistic npcs like agent smith in the the matrix Uh, and then finally there's this idea of downloadable consciousness And this is actually a very popular topic here in silicon valley which is can i download my consciousness onto a silicon device there's people who think that you'll be able to do that within you know 20 to 50 years uh and you know that brings up all kinds of philosophical questions about what is consciousness and is that really possible or not but in any case you know my estimate is we'll get to the simulation point ourselves within 50 to 100 years, so let's say by 2100 or 2150, where we can produce something like the matrix. And so the question that that gets asked is, if we're going to be there in another 50 to 100 years, what would a civilization that has had computers for a thousand years, or a million years, you know, what have they been able to produce? Uh, and so are we already inside some kind of a simulated world? that was produced by one of these these civilizations. And that's that's become to be known as the simulation hypothesis.
0: Which makes a lot of sense because we're running a bunch of these things. Um, You know, we're running probably, you know, I would guess hundreds of thousands of rudimentary simulations all around the world right now as we speak. And that number is probably only going to increase as we get closer to that point. So if you only have one base reality... And you have 10 million virtual realities or simulations running where all the parts of the simulation are somewhat programmed to be, at least think they're self-aware, then, you know, that's interesting.
3: Right, because if you just look at the statistics at that point, right? And suppose each of those 10 million worlds have a billion or a trillion beings within them. So there was a a philosopher at Oxford named Nick Bostrom, and he wrote a paper in 2003 called Are We Living in a Simulation? And he made a statistical argument, which is sort of what we're talking about here, which is he said that if you count up all the beings in those simulated worlds, and then you count up how many beings there are in base reality, there's more simulated beings than in base reality, assuming that some civilization gets to that point where they can do that, right? And, And... you know, We all think it's going to be possible very soon. So statistically speaking, if you are a being, you are more likely to be a simulated being than a purely biological being in base reality. That was his argument. Uh, you know, And that's just one of the versions uh, of the simulation hypothesis. I call that the NPC version, which says that all of those beings are basically simulated consciousness. Uh, then there's the PC version, which is the player character version, which is more like the Matrix, where... You know, the people like Neo and uh, Morpheus existed outside the Matrix as conscious beings. In, in this case, they were biological beings. But then they also existed inside the Matrix, and they were doing a virtual character that they were role-playing inside the Matrix. And so that's more akin to our video games. And that's why I like the video game model, because it can accommodate both of those, both the player characters and the non-player characters, into one theoretical model.
0: It also seems like, um, it seems like it would be, you know, I don't know what the best way to say that is, um, in, in that model, that like that model to, to me, the game theory, I don't know, you know, that's probably not the correct use of the term, but that version of it seems to fit more with like Eastern philosophical traditions. Where you know that ties into soul groups, that ties into reincarnation. You know, all that stuff can sort of fit into that a little better than the NPC model, I think.
3: Yeah, I think that's very true, and that's why you know sometimes some of the science people get upset with me, and they're like, "You wrote this book about the simulation hypothesis, which is about computation and science, and why did you dedicate like a whole third of the book to talking about you know mystical traditions and reincarnation and karma?" And uh, I said, "Well, you know, for me that's." The science is supposed to be the search for truth, and what is really going on in in the universe, and that was also the domain of religion, right? It was most religions get founded because somebody peeked outside the simulation; they were able to see what was on the other side, and then they came back and they said, you know, this is what I saw. Now, you know, each religion has its own version of that, which I, I liken to the old story of the blind men who saw the elephant, where they felt the elephant, right? Each. Each of them felt a different part of the elephant, so they said, "You know, this is a different kind of thing." One said, "It's like a snake," it was the trunk. One said, "It's like a tree," which was the legs, and one said, "It's like a house." Right? And so, you know, if we take what the religions have been telling us and say, "Okay, let's step back from any particular religion and say, what are the patterns and what is it that they're all saying?" And they're all saying that this physical reality around us is not the ultimate reality; that it's more like a training ground. And that whatever we do here is being watched. Okay, being watched by who? Now is where you start to get into the difference between the the Western Judeo-Christian religious traditions versus the Eastern traditions. And in the Western traditions, it's more, you know, angels are watching us and recording our deeds and our good deeds and our bad deeds, and you go to heaven or hell based upon that. In the Eastern traditions, you have this idea of multiple lives, uh, that you come back and you play a different character in each life, and you have tasks that are based upon your karma from the previous life, right? And in, in this is where Buddhism and Hinduism differ a little bit. Uh, they both have this idea of reincarnation, and karma is what drives the reincarnation, right? So if you look at those, say, well, why do you have to have another life? It's because of your karma. And uh, in Hinduism, there is an indestructible soul that goes through lives, and in Buddhism, They say, well, the reason you come back is because of your karma, so you're really more like a bag of karma, which is like a set of information about you, which is like your score in a video game. So, you know, the more I thought about how video games work, we have quests and achievements, right? When we make video games, that's how we direct the user. You could think of a questing system that is a very complex questing system that says, you know, you do X and you have to fulfill this quest with person Y. You may not have to do it in this gameplay session. You could do it in the next <laughs> gameplay session when you're a new character. And so, where does karma live? You know, I'm a computer science guy, so I say uh, I like to look at this and say, you know, how would it work, right? Getting apart from the question of does God exist or not, I'd say, how does this whole thing work, right? Uh, and it made made more sense to me that this stuff exists outside the rendered world on what we would consider like a cloud server. Right. Obviously, it's a different kind of computation than what we're used to, but it lives outside the rendered world, just like our score uh, in a video game or our inventory for, of things that we have to do. And so you can envision a pretty complex quest system where every quest unlocks a new quest. And so if you end up having a certain task and you accomplish it, like uh, go find the map to the Goblin King, you know? <laughs> then go get the treasure, go kill an orc. Right? If you do that in, in our video game of life, it creates more karma and more tasks that you have to follow up on. Uh, and so I found that the Eastern traditions, it actually fits very well into this idea of the simulation hypothesis. So they have a term in the Hindu Vedas, which are kind of the oldest known you know, scriptures, of the Leela, uh, which is like a grand play, like a stage play of life that we're all engaged in. Now, of course, back then they didn't necessarily have computers, but today we would say, "What's well, an interactive multiplayer stage play?" <laughs> well, it's like a video game. Right? That's how we would describe it today. That we're all in inside this world. You know? yeah. So, I found that the religious traditions fit pretty well. Yeah, and like the akashic
2: thing. records would be the
3: cloud, probably then. That's right. So, the akashic record would be the place where this information is stored. Now, this is where it gets interesting because you know people who claim to be able to access the akashic records. Don't just access knowledge, they can see what actually happened. So, you know, another reason I wrote the book was a couple years ago, I was working on a, a startup here in Silicon Valley, uh, which was a virtual reality startup. And they would take a video game, well, like uh, League of Legends or World of Warcraft, which are like 3D worlds, but they're on a 2D screen. And they would record a scene for you. And then later, you could replay that scene, but instead of watching it like on a video feed, you would actually put on. VR headset and it's like you were on the actual battlefield and like this guy is killing this guy wow. so You could see it from any place You could be like a virtual. It's what we called a virtual camera. You could put the virtual camera anywhere And that reminded me a lot of the Akashic Records, but also uh, Like people that have had near-death experiences. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a good friend of mine is a gentleman named danian Brinkley and oh, He wrote man. a book on yeah. saved by the light. He was struck by lightning and had multiple near-death experiences and one of the, the, the most interesting aspects of his experience is what he called the life review. He called it the panoramic life review. He said he saw every event that had ever happened in his life, but he saw it not from his perspective. He saw it from the perspective of the other person that he did stuff to. And so now he actually saw and felt, right? So we're at a different level than what we, we did. We were just showing you visually what it would look like if you were seeing it from the other person's point of view. In this case, you could feel what the other person was feeling. So, but it reminded me very much of this. And you know, even in the Western traditions, they have this idea of the Book of Life in Judaism and Christianity, which where your deeds are recorded. And in Islam, which is part of that whole Abrahamic line of religions, they actually explicitly say you have these recording angels. You know, One is writing down your good deeds and one is writing down your bad deeds. And then when you die and you go in front of God, you actually have to review those deeds. But you don't just see a list on a piece of paper you see the impact of what you did on other people. Well, it sounded a lot like the life review, the panoramic life review. And I, and I thought, as a computer scientist, how would that be implemented? Well, you know, does it doesn't make sense to have you know 14 billion angels, two for each of us. You would have AI or computer programs that are just recording this stuff as we go through, and, and that gets stored somewhere in the cloud database like the Akashic Records, yeah, yeah. and that could be pulled up and viewed from any angle, from any person's angle. Uh, And that's where I think there's a real overlap from the simulation hypothesis with not just any particular religious tradition, but really with all the religious traditions. They all kind of fit pretty well in this idea.
2: Yeah, I was really glad that you didn't shy away from that in the book and you dedicated that much to it. I mean, because, you know, these scientists are are poo-pooing you on one hand, yet the evidence shows that you're... You know, the evidence is going to, I mean, it already shows, but I mean, it's going to be widely accepted. I'm pretty, su- pretty sure soon enough. I mean, materialism is kind of falling down anyways. And the NDE evidence, the OBE evidence, I mean, there's all kinds of evidence that consciousness is not created in the brain, you know, that we are more right. like an antenna. So, it. you know, I mean, it's funny that there's still that pushback, although I don't think in like two or five years it's it's going to be this. I think people
3: are going to realize that. You know. Well, I hope so. But you know, they're very slow moving within <laughs> academia. And it's a paradigm shift for them, which is odd, because if you look at physics and science itself, it, you know, it, it they already are saying there is no material right, in the world. So, you know, the more they look for this physical world, you open up <laughs> molecules, and it's mostly space, and then you open up the atom, and it's like 99.999% it's empty space. And then you go to the nucleus of the atom and you say, okay, let's look inside these protons to the subatomic. And you say, where is this thing called matter? And you, it's like the Russian dolls. You just keep opening up the dolls and there's almost nothing there. And uh, you know, eventually it gets to the point where it seems like it's just information. Uh, so even scientists are agreeing with that. Uh, there's a there's a really famous physicist named uh, John Wheeler mm-hmm. and he was one of the last living physicists to to work with Einstein and many of the greats of quantum physics and you know he, he said you know when 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 he died he wrote his autobiography and he said that physics in his lifetime went through three phases and in the first phase it was everything is a particle like a physical object right and that tied to Newtonian classical mechanics and he said then everything was a field it was a field of probabilities and that tied to quantum mechanics. He said by the end he came to the conclusion that there was no actual field, it was just information, and that every particle was really a bit, of one or a zero. And uh, so he has this, this famous phrase that he coined called it from bit. And so the idea is a physical object, it, actually comes from bits. So, you know, now we're back to computer science. Now, I think, you know, he passed away before we got to quantum computers. But in quantum computers, you have this idea of bits that can have multiple values, which ties to, you know, quantum indeterminacy, which we can talk about in a minute. But, you know, it it was sort of getting to this idea that, that, that the physical universe is an information computation machine. But just getting back to what you were saying about OBEs. And you know, they've done remote viewing exercises yep. and, and some of the statistics are pretty amazing that they had. Like right here in Silicon Valley at Stanford Research Institute, they were while they were inventing the internet, and, and they were ARPANET, which is a predecessor, guys like Jacques Valley and Hal Putoff and others were also experimenting with remote viewing experiments with guys like Ingo Swan and others as their test subjects. So this is an area, even here when I talk to technologists, they're not aware of this. <laughs> but there's a real, you know, uh, a convergence of these ideas, uh, and uh, you know, remote viewing, where you're just seeing another place. Again, you can model that very easily, and say, how would that work? Well, you can place a virtual camera anywhere in the three D video game world, <laughs> and so that's what we do. We just say, put it at coordinates X, Y, Z, and oh, let's see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, and it can be rendered anywhere, you know, which is pretty interesting.
0: What uh do you think do you think um do you think how when we try and look at, at numbers like pi and a lot of these these numbers that seem to break down the the nature of reality and the fact that a lot of them are um irrational numbers, do you think that is anyway some sort of uh like almost like the Van Allen belt stopping us from getting to the moon? Like is that some so? do you think is there a reason those numbers are rational? Like, uh, is there, it just seems weird to me that those like basic building blocks of reality seem to be okay. so elusive to us.
3: Yeah, you know, that th- that is interesting. I mean, I can't say I've specifically thought about irrational numbers, but uh, it seems like we live in what an MIT physicist named Max Tegmark calls a mathematical universe, right? Uh, where everything is based on mathematical principles Underneath, and and if you think about what a virtual world looks like, we're also it's the same thing. Everything is based on geometry and mathematics, uh, and so you know I think the piece missing from the math is that there's a computational element to the physical world, and we're realizing this more and more as, as we go on. And there's this idea of computational irreducibility, which says that you can't just calculate, you know, step. 1005 you it's have to changing. actually go through the iterations along the way to get to step 1005 and then you'll know what happens at step 1005 that's why you need a simulation that's why you need computers and when you think about irrational numbers what's almost similar it's like you you can't just compute what the 1 millionth digit is you have to just one by instantly one. you have to go through the steps to get there uh so i think it's it's an interesting idea but somehow these constants are built into the fabric of reality. And you know, there are a number of people who've said that, well, if, if these numbers in the physical universe were off by just a little bit, you know, including the rate of acceleration and the gravitational constant, that the universe would not support life, right? So it's called the anthropic principle, and people like uh, uh, Lanza with his book Biocentrism yeah. gonna talk about this idea. Was the universe set up to be able to create life? And so there's another set of numbers which can't be derived, but somehow they are the fundamental constants of this physical universe. It's almost as if somebody was fiddling with the numbers uh, and then you know, found a set that could simulate what they particularly wanted to simulate. But if we go back to, to biology and computational irreducibility, there's this idea of fractal algorithms. And you know if you really want to simulate the physical world, uh, you need these fractal algorithms to show... Like what leaves and different structures, like lightning, uh, you know, fractals came from a, a guy uh, Mandelbrot who asked back in the seventies, says if you look at the question of how long is a coastline, right? well, so it depends on how you measure it. If you measure it at the level of a satellite in miles, you can say how long it is, but if you go to the curves, it's actually longer. And then you keep going smaller and smaller, and there's more and more curves all the way down to the atomic level, but it depends on what scale and so fractal algorithms turns out are pretty good at simulating the biological world and the physical world there was a game called No Man's Sky which came out a few years ago and it had 8 quintillion planets each with their own flora and fauna and different trees and different types of life now the guys who made that game you know they didn't sit there and come up with 18 quintillion planets they would they would still be added for another 1000 years <laughs> They did what's called procedural uh, generation. They use these fractal algorithms to generate it when it's needed, so when you're there. Uh, and and so I think that's where you know this idea of computation and information may lie at, at the basics of what we call physical reality. And we're realizing that more and more. And I think in another fifty or hundred years it, it'll it'll continue to realize that. So even scientists will start to realize that, that the universe is about information, and then the question comes into play. Where is the information stored? Is there somebody looking at the information? Now we get into these bigger metaphysical questions, which are more questions that religion has been asking all along, like what's out there beyond what we can see, um, yeah. and that's why I think uh, you know one of the reasons I wrote this book. So I was on uh, you know another show, uh, Fade to Black, which you guys may know. Jimmy, Jimmy Church. Church. Goes, yeah. yeah, Jimmy goes. I know why you wrote this book, Riz. He goes, it, so you can talk about the same stuff, you know, with a bunch of UFO people on my show, and you can go to MIT and talk about the same stuff. And I said, You're right. <laughs> that may have been my underlying motivation, is I can talk about this with the science people, and I can talk about it with people in kind of the, the paranormal world as well, and the religious, the traditional religions as well. They get it also. Yeah. You know, right. sometimes I'll get pushback that says, hey, that's not what Jesus Christ said. But the more you look at what the religions are trying to tell us. The more it fits this model better than a material world model ever will. Huh?
0: Do, do you think that's just, uh, by nature of that's where we are? Like, you know, maybe like the ancients didn't have computers probably, maybe they did, but I don't, I don't think they did. I think they were now how they figured that stuff out. I don't know. I, I tend to they're think. they're going out of body all the time. I th- yeah. I mean, that's they're... what I tend <laughs> to think is a lot of it had to do with entheogens and plant medicines and stuff like that. And, uh. And, yeah, and there's other
2: spiritual practice too. I mean, if yeah. if we didn't have all these distractions and we're meditating, you know, ten hours a day, we'd have a different perspective on on
3: reality. That's exactly right. And I don't even think they needed plants. So if you look at the ancient Indian t- traditions, you know, they studied consciousness quite a bit. And yeah. and one of the areas that that I've studied is you know within Tibetan Buddhism, there's this idea of the the, the six yogas of Naropa, and one of those yogas is dream yoga. And the idea is that within the dream, you you become awake as a lucid dream, and you realize that the dream isn't real; that it is an illusion around you. And then you use that awareness so that when you're awake, quote unquote awake, <laughs> you realize that the world around you is an illusion as well. So it's like a training method that they use. So clearly, they had these ideas already. Uh, and turns out, it you know earlier I talked about the ten stages of technological development including beaming into the brain pulling responses out of the brain uh, false memories npcs well it turns out there's already a biological mechanism where all that happens it's called dreaming right it happens every night we have these little mini simulations that we think we're in a fully engrossed in a real world and there's like non-player characters and some of the people we meet in our dreams might be actual player characters Right, many of us have have experience with precognitive dreams or yeah. something happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I had an experience. I don't think I've ever talked about this on a radio show, but you know, one morning I had a dream about my my uncle, uh, who had passed away years earlier. And I was visiting my parents in Michigan, and I, I saw my uncle. And I said, "Uncle, what are you doing here? You passed away a few years ago, and I never see him in my dreams." Right, um, and so that's what made it unusual. It's what I call a clue in, mm-hmm. in my previous book treasure hunt, because it was unusual. And then I, I I saw him carrying like a what looked like an Egyptian casket, but kind of this wide person with a weird eye. And then as I woke up, I found out that my parents had just gotten a call that morning from Pakistan, and my uncle's wife was there, and she has this weird thing, she had this weird thing with one of her eyes, and she was kind of a wide-bodied person. Yeah, and she had just passed away that morning, oh, and so wow. uh. it's almost like he was there, Right. And so these types of experiences start to convince us that there's more than material reality going on. So where do the people live who are beyond material reality? Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, that's where the simulation hypothesis. But also the ancients seem to know that. I mean, that's what we were talking about. And so they were able to 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 actually uh, figure things out. And actually the one thing I wanted to talk about in that realm is. I mentioned the six yogas of Naropa. Well, it turns out there's a the secret seventh yoga. Yeah. And it's one that they didn't teach too widely, but it allowed a yogi to actually take his consciousness out of his physical body and then put it into another entity. So now we're at the point of downloadable consciousness. Yeah. I mean, there's this idea we download when we're born and we upload when we die. So there's already a natural... Yeah, but, but in this case, there was a famous story of a Tibetan yogi who fell off his horse and he was about to crack his neck and die. He projected his consciousness out into a pigeon that was flying. The pigeon flew to India. He found a recently deceased body. He projected his consciousness from the pigeon to the dead body of this, this young man, and then he proceeded to teach yoga for the next, I don't know, 50 years. And then later, when another one of his father's disciples wanted somebody to study this yoga, he said, go talk to this guy who they call the pigeon saint in India, because <laughs> he was the expert, right? And there's many stories like this. And that's not the only story, which makes me take it a little more seriously when you start to have multiple cases of this, as opposed to somebody just spinning a yarn. But they knew how to download and upload consciousness, Yeah, you know, which brings us to this this interesting ideas. So I think they had figured out, you know, a lot of this, we're now figuring it out, and from a technological point of view so it's a very different point of view yeah, yeah. Uh, and it may be a while though before that paradigm is really accepted you know by by science and scientists because you know what we're learning is that there is no objective world it's really a subjective world and that's just a very difficult to test in a uh, you know kind of a lab yeah with well, an of things, yeah. yeah, although it's malleable. I mean, you know, although we're we're learning
2: more and more, I think that, that it's malleable. But it does it does remind me of like we've done a couple episodes on lucid dreaming as well. And there's thousands of people that have have had these experiences that you're talking about. We get people emailing all the time with you know deep synchronicities or precog dreams. And there's that whole lucid dreaming aspect, which is another part of where the contemporary evidence is going to show us that. That it, there is these other, other dimensions or other realms.
0: Well, not only that, I just wonder if, like, if soul groups and reincarnation and, and soulmates and things like that were just a different way of explaining, you know, we're using NPC or we're using...
1: Yeah, digital well, like,
0: reality, and like they just didn't have those terms. Those didn't, weren't terms they had, so they came up with you know. We're it's almost like we're coming up with the same stuff as they came up with, but we're using a whole new lexicon to describe it.
3: Yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I mean, I you know, as a video game designer, right, we always have this idea of friends in the, your friends list game, right, and you decide to go on a quest or a uh, you know a raid in World of Warcraft, right with your guild and you are like sending each other messages saying, Hey, let's at this point in time, we're going to meet at this place inside the virtual world. Right. But you're making these plans outside the virtual world. You know, I'm an investor in a company called discord, which is a really, really we, popular. We use tool. it all the time.
2: Yeah. We use it they all use the it,
3: time. Yeah, we, are, right. we have
0: chats. America.ca Slash chats. Yeah. Join <laughs> the conversation. Don't be a dick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So where discord came from, uh, it was actually a game company initially. They were making a video game, and it, a mobile game. It didn't work out, but they had created this cool chat thing, and they said they were using it to talk to each other. And so then players of video games started to use the app to talk to each other. So it was a gamer chat initially. Now it's used for many things. It's yeah. used for cryptocurrency. It's used for lots of things. But that reminded me a lot of Journey of Souls. If you guys have ever read that book uh, by Michael, Dr. Michael Newton, who would he he did hypnose uh, hypnotic regression of his patients. Back to birth, and then he started finding out what happened in between one life and the next. and And they started to say, they started to tell stories of how they would plan out with other individuals whom we might call soul groups, or in video games we would call our guild or our friends, uh, specific encounters that they might have. Like you're supposed to meet, you know, your soulmate, you know, uh, at this point in your life, and she's going to have a certain necklace, and you're just going to be drawn to it. and there's something funny about that as a déjà vu, and so ah. I, I think this idea of soul groups fits really well. And we didn't have, they didn't have this digital narrative, and we're coming up with it because the video games, more than anything. Uh, but it's the same kind of concepts, and they apply equally well, I think, to, to both of these these areas.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to have when we used to talk about uh, simulation hypothesis. Uh, I used to feel like there was it was more of a materialistic way to look at at the reality but I'm glad that you uh you approached the consciousness part of it because it did it finally clicked for me that like how consciousness not being part of the brain would fit into the simulation hypothesis so I finally just kind of leveled up in my understanding about that part of it and then uh, what else was I going to say about that the uh oh, where was I going with that the do you have
0: anything? Well, like that? I come down to yep. two. There's uh, the way I look at it. We're down to two possibilities, and they actually boil down to one possibility. Unless, I mean, I think there's a little bit of wiggle room with electric universe theory, because mm-hmm. or and I I don't really have a good enough understanding of unified field theory yet to to say for sure. But I think the nature of electricity and fields like that could maybe cause some of these constants that we seem to see. In like, I mean, like just the little thing around the sun and the earth, where you know the radius of the moon is a thousand and eighty miles, and you know if you take the diameter of the moon and times it by a hundred and eight, you get uh, to over ninety seven percent accuracy the distance from the moon to the earth. And now, if you take the sun and you take its diameter and you times it by a hundred and eight. You get 99.5 accuracy, the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Venus is 108 million miles from the Sun. And you've got this coincidence that the Earth and the Moon, you know, or sorry, the Sun and the Moon are the exact same size in the sky. You know, one's 400 times farther away, but this one's 400 times smaller. So that makes up for all that. So it works out perfectly.
3: Yeah, it almost seems like, uh, you know, an algorithmic thing. Yeah. you know, certain these are, the laws for life. are built that way so that it would be X times Y. <laughs> and so you see like this interesting mathematical relation. Now, we don't know. We're finding evidence of lots of exoplanets and we don't know, uh, you know, what the moons are on those planets uh, because they're so far away. But it's possible that, you know, if this is a simulated world, that there are rules that they're following as well. I mean, we are realizing that they're very common, that there's just this, there's probably, you know, most stars may end up having some planets, which even 20 years ago was not acknowledged. Even 10 years ago, they were just starting to, to acknowledge that. But now there's, you know, something like in the order of, I don't know, like a trillion planets that they think is the latest estimate, yeah, yeah. you know, given 100 billion stars in our galaxy and 100 billion galaxies out there, uh, you get to, but, but, you know, there could be very much these types of rules that are embedded into the physical world. Now there's a physicist who's a string theorist named Jim Gates, I think he's at the University of Maryland, and he says that he found within the equations of string theory, uh, he found error correction codes. He huh. right? said, "Why the heck do we have error correction codes inside physical reality?" Well, look, as a computer scientist, we work with error correction codes all the time. They're needed because. Uh, whenever we have to compress information down, we have to transmit information, right? And so the reason that you can watch Game of Thrones on your iPad is because we're not sending all the pixels. It would be too many pixels, if you look at every single frame, to send over a wireless device to your iPad. And so we have to compress those pixels down, and then when it gets to your computer, we have to uh, decompress uh, those pixels and display them. But to make sure we got it right, that's what error correction codes are for. Uh, And it was a concept that was introduced by Claude Shannon. He used to be at MIT back in the 1950s in Bell Labs. Bell Labs, yeah. Was that the error correction codes are needed for transmission of information and compression of information. And now, you know, two of the biggest mysteries in, in, in quantum physics are why is there this thing called quantum indeterminacy, which if we have time, we can talk about. And the second one is why is there this thing called quantum entanglement? Right, which Einstein called spooky action at a distance. Right? It was this idea that two particles, once they're entangled, it's like they have the same value. And even if this one goes a million miles away and this one's here, they have a similar value so you can figure out the other value from this value. Uh, and so, you know, when I look at it as a computer scientist, I say, well, that's probably a compression technique, <laughs> right? In Game of Thrones, you could say all of the white pixels in the winter scenes. That's why right, right, that, there's fractals. They're all compressed down. There's right fractal algorithms, and there's compression. So they have the same value. It's an optimization technique. And that's why you need error yes. codes in, in the universe. So it's starting to tie together, even though you know, most mainstream scientists still aren't there yet. But I, I think over time, you know, this idea, of course, that the computation and the computers that they use are very different from our computers, right? But computation exists independently of silicon. It's, it's similar to how we say there's no... Shared rendered universe in a video game. So, like if you and I are both playing World of Warcraft, it's our computer, our laptop, that's actually rendering the scene. So we could be rendering slightly different versions. We don't know. The only shared thing in between those two is information. And right? only when be you render- interact. Yeah, or even when you interact, who are you interacting with? Yeah. The avatar of the other person, right? Which is which is rendered on your screen. Now in video games, the screen is an iPhone or a laptop, but in this physical universe, it could be our consciousness, right? Our our consciousness is needed to render and and this brings up the idea that we may all be rendering slightly different versions. Right. So
0: do you think that <laughs> do you think that it's a rendered reality or do you think that we're all sort of co-creating it?
3: Well, you know, I, I think that we are all influencing the rendering, which is kind of like co-creating, if mm. you will, right? that we are all observing something slightly different, but we can influence the direction that it takes. So there's a, there was a really famous experiment in physics by a Nobel Prize-winning physicist named Eugene Wigner, and he proposed an experiment that said, hey, if Wigner in Germany or wherever he was <laughs> looks at a set of particles and he observes a particular collapse of the the wave meaning you know the particles are this way but he doesn't tell his friend and wigner's friend looks at the same particles before he knows what wigner saw will he see something different a different configuration of those particles and this was an experiment they couldn't do back in the 60s well it turns out just recently i think in england they did that experiment with like five entangled particles and they found that it was possible That Wigner and Wigner's friend saw a different configuration of those same five entangled particles. Now, that's weird. That means that there is actually no physical reality that's shared, that's (laughs) objective. Because if two people can look at particles and see a different perspective, it means somehow the consciousness is influencing what they call the collapse of the probability wave to a single physical reality. And so it's possible we are all rendering on our own consciousness, and then we are making choices.
0: Could that right, just so, be like a dropped frame that we're okay with though? Uh,
3: could it be a dropped
0: frame? You know, like those, those differences in, re- in rendering are just like, you know, cause it's kind of like, you know, where it's, it's just like, fuck it. Nobody will notice.
3: <laughs> right. Well, you know, in video games, we have to do this a little bit where we have to synchronize multiple players who are sitting on their own computers. Yeah. And you know, if this guy swings his ax at the other guy's character first, and the other guy swings his sword, we have to figure out who did what when. <laughs> but it, it it's impossible to do because there's no such thing as simultaneity. So we end up having to drop things and, and kind of make inferences. And so it's possible that we are all influencing this collective reality and that we are having to drop various pieces of it in order to create what seems like a shared objective reality. And you know, I mean, this is something that the mystics have been telling us all along, right? I mean, you know, the Buddha said, uh, you know, know all things to be like this—a mirage, or, or a dream, or a cloud image, like a cloud, right? And so, this thing that we think of as physical is only there because we're all observing it together. Um, and Castaneda talked a lot about this, and in, in the back in the 70s. Now, some people say he was just on a drug trip, right? But you know, the idea was that the the physical universe is only a consensus reality. He called it, right? Uh, which now. Physics may be getting to that point of saying it's a consensus reality. It's the th- and this is something we do in computer science, is we have to come up with a consensus between all the different players of what actually happened so that we can then transmit that information back to everybody. So, so it's a very interesting aspect of, of, of existence. Whoa. In the physical universe, yeah.
2: and that gets back to your well because this is yeah how that's it's something else
0: the mystics have been telling us for a long time is that you can subtly influence it. You know. and I think that even the Bible, to a certain extent, is trying to tell us that it's been a little bit co-opted and maybe a little bit shifted around so that it, you know, maybe faith is a little misplaced and things like that. I'm not going to comment on that. But there seems to be these people that have said that, uh, you know, manifestation and the secret and, um, all that sort of stuff. And a couple examples of that are like, you know, the fastball, you know, you know, like 20 years ago, it was impossible to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball. You know, now it's like, everyone's doing it. If you don't have a couple pitches on your team that can throw a hundred mile fastball, you're behind the times. And something tells me in 10 years, it's going to be 105. And Mm in 10 years after that, it's going to be 110.
2: And it's not just from technological breakthroughs. It's, no, it's, it's throwing else. a fucking
0: ball. You know, I don't think we're <laughs> we're exercising different. I th- I think we've naturally evolved to throw things like rocks at at prey and stuff like that. Another thing's the four minute mile that no one seemed to be able to do forever, and that's another thing. You know, we're getting faster and faster at running, and I wonder well, if it inventions,
2: isn't inventions simultaneous simultaneous 100th monkey yeah,
0: things yeah. and stuff like that. And I, I just wonder if it isn't that you know, that this guy decides, I'm going to throw the, I'm going to throw a ball faster than this guy. And he just believes it with every fucking ounce of his being until he throws a ball faster. But I mean, that's, that's kind of a a mundane explanation for, I mean, I was just listening to Scott Adams periscope the other day where he starts talking about, um, you know, how affirmations and everything that are actually, he's, he's taken to the next level where he says, this is a simulation. And you can right. He's you can, a big sp-
3: proponent of the simulation. Yeah, and there. he's
0: like, listen, I'm telling you right now, I made my life by by influencing by the hack, simulation. Hacking, you hacking can it. hack it with yeah. little techniques, it's and 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 you systems. can actually affect reality. And and right. the, the he reason that it, when
3: he was a kid, he thought he could become a famous cartoonist. right? Yeah.
0: Well, not now only he's that, he he's cured himself from it. incurable diseases. Oh
3: wow. Like yeah. he had, well, it's a disease, it's a well it was a
0: condition vocal. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it was uh, dysphonia. It was dysphonia. Something. Something. something and uh, I mean, he's like he he has example after example of things he's beaten with affirmations, which are, are things I've seen work in my own life to it to a certain degree. And and the thing that really struck me is he started talking about some of these authors, and these are this is kind of a rabbit hole I've been going on down independently for for the last six or eight months, and it's. You know, these books like Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill and, and things like of that nature. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Power of Positive Thinking, I think it's called or whatever it is. And I mean, these are guys that are straight up thinking that guy actually used to be uh, Donald Trump's pastor. Um, right. But anyway, there's these guys that are saying now before it was manifestation. Now, I think Scott Adams is the first person I've heard take that manifestation to the simulation level. But him doing that, just I don't know for some reason, it instantly started to make a lot of sense to me because those are two things that I'm 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 extremely uh, interested in, and that I'm you know the simulation theory and and um, and and having some sort of subtle control of reality and the way you explain how there's two different realities, so it's like you know I can't change when you swing your sword, maybe. But maybe I can subtly change other little things that maybe only really affect my reality and maybe only subtly affect yours in ways that are undetectable, so it's okay,
3: right? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the law of attraction is interesting, uh, and it's within the simulation context, it makes a little more sense because you know if you've ever played a game like Minecraft or uh, Second Life you can create physical objects, right? And you can change your character. And you're making those decisions with your consciousness, which exists outside of the simulation, right? And you can say, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Now, I think in our simulation, it's not quite so easy because, I mean, the thing with manifestation and affirmations is they seem to work sometimes, but you can't say they work 100% of the time either, right? And so this is where I think we have a combination of Free will, where we're like in a video game, we can make choices, but we also have a set of quests and achievements that our character is kind of has planned out. We're free to choose to do those or not do those along the way. You know, like I I don't think affirmations are going to turn me into, you know, seven foot basketball player as much as I'd like to. There are certain yeah. choices that we make to our characters, and, and I'm a computer geek and, you know, I'm not really that good at athletics, right? So, but. You know, there are things that I feel like I was meant to do and that are very easy, whether it's writing or computer programming and the things that, that you know, are really easy for me. And so I think, you know, manifestation may be also a matter of choosing amongst these different paths mm. that are available to us. And in quantum physics, they talk about this idea of parallel worlds, which is another interpretation of, you know, uh, this idea of superposition, which is like Schrodinger's cat is either dead or alive. Well, it turns out Schrodinger's cat is both dead and alive until somebody is there to observe it. And so there might be these different possibilities. Uh, You are cured of a disease. You are not cured of a disease. You become a famous cartoonist. You don't become a famous cartoonist. And somehow this process of manifestation and affirmations makes you consciously choose and view what we call the collapse of the probability wave to that. It's like you're navigating your personal universe to the world where you are x versus y uh, but it somehow has to fit in with everybody else's x yeah. or y otherwise we won't be in a consensus reality anymore it'll start to fracture now you get into things like the mandela effect and other oh things I, was like gonna,
2: I was gonna ask you about that <laughs> if you bumped into that along all this research but i also wanted to and mention, you do I mean, start uh, to
0: affect other realities subtly like i mean it, if scott adams did manifest his you know his fortune i mean that means anyone else who's benefited from his path o- along the way right, right, has right. had their reality effect. Yeah. Affected.
2: Indirect yeah. Indirect yeah. And I
0: mean, I mean, that cascades out into everyone's affecting it, you know, negatively or positively on some level, you know, if you're just watching TV all night and crushing Pepsi's and, and pizza, then, and what, you know, whatever it is, yeah. you know, you're just, you're an NPC.
3: Yeah. Or it's kind of <laughs> like American Idol. Everybody's voting on it. right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, but like it's subtly it's upvoting experiences. Different... Yeah. Subtly, right? Uh, I mean, one of theirs you talked about earlier was synchronicity. And, and, you know, I think the interesting thing about synchronicity is you have something in your mind that matches something in the outside world, right? So that's a meaningful coincidence. And I've always wondered about this term meaningful. And, you know, my, my last book, <laughs> Treasure Hunt, was all about how these synchronicities and deja vu experiences are like clues on our own personal treasure hunt. We're like Indiana Jones, and we're out there trying to find some treasure uh, of course, you know if Indiana Jones were just to get the map at the beginning of life, at the life, beginning of the movie, and say, "Here's the X, go get the treasure," that wouldn't make for a very interesting movie, right? He has to like follow one clue, and that has to take him to the next clue, <laughs> and eventually he gets there. And our lives are kind of like that, where we're getting these subtle clues about things that we that are some of the probabilities or possibilities that we might pursue, but it's still up to us to kind of go after them. So I was uh, talking with with Jacques Vallée. You know who was involved with Project Blue Book back in the day and has studied this, and he's a computer scientist. He worked with NASA you know, back in the day and with the ARPANET. And he was saying he thinks the reason synchronicity exists is because in a computer, when you store information, you retrieve it based on associations, right? So you store like an index that says, you know, this particular object is related to that particular object. And that's how you organize it. You don't necessarily organize everything alphabetically, you just have a bunch of information, and you have an index to get there. And maybe the structure of our world is such that when you're thinking about something, that is like a retrieval operation, right? It actually ends up an yeah. event, or an object that's related to that. And so that's the case where synchronicity and the law of attraction may actually have a similar underlying origin uh, in the structure of the universe, and how... It stores events. Getting back to our idea of the Akashic records, I mean, you're talking about a huge number of records and things. How would you ever pull those? Well, you can think about something and it automatically pulls it. it so resonates by it's with position. it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it so resonates. much information that we
0: haven't even thought about accessing yet.
3: Right. How do you access that much information? Well, you think about a person or a situation. And it comes up, but again, I'm I'm a computer scientist, so I would say, how does that work? Like, as so, it's almost like meaningfulness is like an axis, and you can use just like we think of, uh, you know, an alphabet. I can say use the letter M and look at the index and find, you know, or G and look at the Grimerica show and find out where it's stored on the server, right? Similarly, it's like a situation or an event is is uh, and and consciousness. You know what is that fundamental element of consciousness? Yeah, it's, it's very hard to say, but it's thinking about something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like we talked about with the resonance. We had a couple of people on from the Resonance Academy, like that Nasim Harriman's work, and it and it and it really yeah. started to click with me that when you have a thought, it is like, a, it is an electrical, and it's a shape that those protons are in those shapes, and it's a, it's going to resonate with something somewhere else, and that's kind of how that law of attraction thing works, is you're connecting through entanglement through that resonance. Yeah, well, it was all entangled
0: at one time.
3: Yep, that's right. I think resonance, you know, is a good explanation for that, but we still don't know exactly what that means, right? Like, like okay, resonance how? Depends <laughs> on the kind of waves that we're talking about,
0: <laughs> right? slash two forty one for anyone who's to go back and check out our Jacques Vallee interview. Oh yeah, it was two years ago already.
3: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: And time flies.
3: The- yeah, and you know Jacques has been around longer than than most of us, and yeah. has studied. So many different phenomenon. and but he's coming at it from a scientific point of view, and that's why, you know I really, really like talking to him about this. There was an interesting synchronicity that happened with him that you guys might get a kick out of. So uh, before my book was published, which was on the the twentieth anniversary of the Matrix, it was like march thirty first. So about a month before that, you know he had read the book and, and he had given me a nice endorsement. Nice. he was in Big Sur, and he was showing a slot uh, about the simulation hypothesis and about my book. And I, I didn't even know this because <laughs> I, you know i wasn't there and so he was giving this presentation and they all decided to break for lunch and they went to the cafeteria and who was in and he was talking about the matrix and the simulation and who was in the cafeteria but lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> who played morpheus you know in the matrix and so that was a nice little uh, synchronicity story <laughs> that uh, i heard about it from somebody else and then Jacques told me about it later as well <laughs>
2: So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, the thing I that slipped my mind there, you kind of addressed it anyways, but it was that it was um you know, we the what what makes us think about a synchro or a simulation over the last few years is these stories that we hear of deep synchronicities or numerical coincidences that are so deep that they can't just be, you know, human they can't just be somebody making the stuff up. You know how we have those things with dates and birthdays oh, the and processional
0: then, it's like this weird this weird sort of um the processional numbers, like 72, and, you know, there's the, the breakdown of all the numbers that are processional numbers with the procession of the equinoxes. That
2: too, but even with dates and times and yeah, all that Oh, yeah, too, but even the processional
0: just... numbers that seem to be baked into our fundamental reality. I mean, we were talking a couple shows ago about, so if you go to another system that's experiencing a different procession, does it have different uh, ground rules for reality? It's like literally a different dimension. So every solar system right? is a different dimension.
3: Yeah, it's well, you know, we in video games we refer to physics engines, and every video game I may mean, have a different set of rules, right? And some you can fly, in some you know things are are, are built a certain way. Uh, getting to the the 3D models and the mathematical constants, but but I did want to come back to something you you know we mentioned earlier, which was the Mandela effect. Yeah, and you know this idea of alternate timelines, and so you know one of the the people that I met with when doing research for the book was uh, uh the science fiction writer Philip K. Dick. His wife Tessa, and you know, his work is more popular now than ever. And you know, with Blade Runner, he had this idea of androids and AI with false memories. Uh, and with The Man in the High Castle, you know, which is now a very popular show on Amazon, he showed us this alternate reality, which is based on his book from the 60s, where Germany and Japan won World War II. So, what what Tessa told me was that he actually believed that that reality really happened. the Axis powers won the war and divided up America amongst them. And he remembered those memories. uh, But then he encountered some beings that, he says, they were fiddling with the timeline. And they didn't like where that timeline ended up, so they rewound it. And and we ended up in a timeline where the Allies won World (laughs) War II. Uh, And and, there's big events like this, but he he also came up with the idea with little things that would change. his uh, um, story, The Adjustment Team, which was made in a movie with Matt Damon and Emily Blunt, The Adjustment Bureau, was all about, you know they would freeze, there's a team of people, who are they, didn't say, they would freeze a certain like office building and they would change everybody's memories and they would change something about the world and adjust it. And then this guy got a peek behind the curtain, the main character in the story. Um, in, in the movie, it was a little bit different, but he also got a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> and he wasn't supposed to see that. But he saw how things were changed. And, you know. and so Philip K. Dick, he actually believed this is actually a computer-generated reality. And sometimes when we experience feelings of deja vu, or something is weird, or memories that don't quite seem right, that, uh, that's because we actually experienced that in another timeline, and that it was adjusted by those who are overseeing the simulation. Now who are those? You know, um, his Archives. wife said he believed, are they aliens? Are they future humans? Like he believed they were actually future future beings from this planet uh, who looked like aliens <laughs> but who actually were going back and changing the timeline to change their own future. You know, which is an, another interesting theory. Yeah, yeah well, the Grand- Mandela, there's that deep Mandela
0: from America.ca slash EP256 for a chat with Tessa Dick.
2: Yeah, Tessa was okay, good too. Yeah, go. yeah. yeah so yeah. The, there's those Mandelas. I mean, Danny, Danny from Clouded Games was on talking about the Mandela, how People are seeing it, seeing the adjustment happen in the Mandela as well, which I, I can't quite wrap my head around. But that's interesting that it's not just a, a different memory from past, but they're actually noticing that and then coming back to it in the c- contemporary time and seeing it flip. I think oh, they call that's it Mandela so flip, I think, yeah. Are they remembering both or yeah, are they actually I, seeing it? I, I don't know. I
3: wondered if you but, had any more information on that. I, yeah, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard of the Mandela <laughs> flip, but certainly heard of the effect where... You know, I mean, some of those things, you talk with scientists, and I spend time a lot with with scientists, and I spend time with people that are, you know, in in, in kind of these other worlds. And, you know, some of those things are like the Bernstein bears being spelled, you know, B-E-R-E-N versus B-E-R-N. You know, they seem like honest mistakes, but some of these bigger things, you know, seem like they can't be explained away. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if there are people who have memories of both, like like Philip K. Dick had memories of both the – yeah, man in the high castle timeline and our timeline. Yeah. Are, are there people who have memories of of Nelson Mandela in both of those timelines? You know, and I think that that could be an interesting study, um, and could give some interesting scientific facts. You know, behind behind this this effect.
0: Hey, I'm still he, not
3: sure who won.
2: That's the war. what I was just gonna say. For some of us, the perception <laughs> with Project Paperclip and all the all the Nazi scientists going to Russia and the states, maybe we did you know
3: maybe they did that's win. right yeah i mean people <laughs> thought you know the origins of the cia and all of the secrecy we have in our government too Shit got <laughs> greasy. <these> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you're right yeah and then there was the guy i forget his name but you know he had a very elaborate story of how the nazis actually won world war ii uh but they let us think we we won and so there was a <laughs> there's <laughs> there was a stuff to other- that
0: too I, that's uh farrell isn't it joseph p farrell
3: I don't remember it. It no, might I be that. I'll it. tell you what. If
0: you read uh, our buddy Carl Joseph DeMarco's novel, okay, uh, that is a great little twist on the Nazis winning, winning the war, and it's got like nine uh, eleven baked in there, and then the Iraq War, and Some it's, fa- shaman- it's shamanic fantastic. fantastic. Shamanism flying around. There's
3: shamanism too. Well, oh, I gotta yeah. I gotta check that out. Oh, <laughs> it's
0: it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll email you the link when you email me that info we were talking about earlier. I'll reply with uh, Carl's book. It's Sounds a good, good one. It's a good one. So we're up oh, over we, an hour. Yeah. Did you want to, we were going to, we had said we might get back to the, uh, I think it's a fancy way of saying the observer effect.
3: Right. Yeah. So we can talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. And, you know, so, so in, in quantum physics, um, you know, this idea of superposition, uh, which is used in quantum bits as well, where you can have multiple possibilities or probabilities all came from. Uh, the double slit experiment, which is this idea that if you shoot particles through slits A and B, uh, if it's a wave, it'll show up as an interference pattern on the opposite side. But if it's a particle, each particle has to go through one or the other of the slits. They can't go through both. And they found that it wasn't until someone actually observed the particle that it seemed to make a decision about going from a wave to a specific particle. Another way to think about it is you're in a movie theater, and you got to sit in one of the seats. But when the lights are dark, there's a certain probability that you're in each one of the seats. But then if you shine a light on a specific seat, that's when you figure out if you're actually in that seat or not. And so you know, this is one one of the big mysteries in quantum physics is how does this work, right? And that's what they call the collapse of the probability wave. Uh, And I think an even bigger question is why does it work that way, right? Uh, And in some cases, they, they have an experiment that they call the delayed choice experiment, where the particles go through one slit or the other, and then it makes another choice down the road. And they found that even if that particle goes a 1,000 miles to a satellite, uh, that it's not until it's observed that it decides whether it went through slit A or B. Now, that's in the future. <laughs> so the future is influencing the past, right? And every version of the delayed choice experiment that's been done you know, has actually confirmed that result. and. Again, so people are scratching their heads. And I think it was you know, Niels Bohr who said, you know, if you're not amazed by quantum physics, then you haven't really understand, understood it. Uh, and, and Feynman himself you know, said that, you know, that if you think you understand it, you really don't, uh, because it's so bizarre. Now, looking at this from the video game perspective, it actually makes more sense. If you remember earlier, I said that they could not render a fully 3D world like World of Warcraft in the 1980s. You know, on a Commodore 64 computer, they didn't have enough processing power to have a fully rendered world and take all those pixels. Well, it turns out the optimization technique that was built was rendered only that which is observed. Right. So if you can't see behind a wall, you don't have to render those pixels. So only if there's a conscious observer uh, in video games uh, is it rendered onto your local computer. Uh, and that's why we're able to do MMORPGs like and with 3D worlds like League of Legends or World of Warcraft. So that's the same rule in quantum physics, which is render that only that which is observed. And that's why I like this term rendered world rather than physical world, uh, especially now that there's there's evidence that we may be rendering slightly different versions of it. Uh, and so you know quantum indeterminacy doesn't make sense. And turns out if you view it from the lens of the simulation hypothesis it makes a little more sense because it's all about optimization. Yeah. And that's how this entire, you know, very gigantic world, right, that's 15 billion light years, <laughs> may actually be rendered is through a set of rules like this. Uh, and it may actually explain the very small and the very big, which is something that, that, you know, physics has not been able to come up with explanations for.
0: Well, the idea uh, of fractals is interesting to think about it as a compression tool. I mean... It,
3: Right, because algorithmically, you don't need to store all those pixels. That's right. We <laughs> just need to create That's a
0: smaller right. vision of it that we can expand later.
3: Yep, exactly. And that gets to so the So maybe the Big
0: Bang was just the first, like...
3: Could be a first step of the computation of an algorithm, like whether it's a fractal algorithm or another Jeez. algorithm. If you look at the biological world, you know, it, it works through... Like if you're going to clone a person or an organism... It doesn't happen at once. You don't start with a pig and get a fully grown pig, right? You have to go through the process of the cells of and dividing the cells. DNA is the information, uh, but or a tree, right? It just doesn't spark up over a leaf doesn't spark up, you know, in an instant. It happens over time, and that's because of these algorithms. That's where there's evidence of computation in nature. Uh, you know, some people say the simulation hypothesis in the scientific world they don't like it because it's unfalsifiable. And by that, they mean you can't prove that it's false. And I said, well, that doesn't mean that you can't show there's evidence that it's true, (laughs) right? Just because you can't prove it's false. It's like with meteorites, there were many reports of rocks coming from the sky and scientists didn't believe them (laughs) back in the 1700s and 1800s. You couldn't prove that that was not true, but you could find some evidence that it was true and they eventually did. And now it's accepted. And so I think that's some of these things, fractal algorithms, error correction codes, Quantum indeterminacy, the delayed choice experiment, quantum entanglement, Uh, Wigner and Wigner's friends, all of these are pointing us, you know, to uh, and quantum qubits are are evidence of information and computation being the structure of our physical world, which leads us to believe that it's not a physical world, which means it could be very much a simulated world. When you think of that, and so that that's you know how I would kind of. Bingo, uh, wrap yeah, that's a good example,
0: yeah. I mean, that 108 gets you, the 108 moon distances and sun distances. And Brad just texted me some a sacred, more info it's a there. sacred number He's too, like, that. earth diameter times 108 is the sun diameter. And it's also a sacred number. 108's long been considered a sacred number in Hinduism and yoga. According to yogic tradition, there are 108 pithas or sacred sites throughout well, India. In Buddhism, too. interesting. I didn't know that. There's 108 marma points, 108 sacred places of the body, 108 chakras.
3: Well, you know, in computer science, we have this idea of seed numbers that are used to do things like generate random numbers. Like computers can't really generate random numbers. So the programmers have to put in certain seeds, as they call it, and then those are used to generate everything else. So it's very possible that as we uncover some of these numbers and we see them again and again, whether it's pi or it's this type of number, that these are seed numbers that are being fed into our physical algorithms that generate the physical world around us. And, and somehow these, these guys had figured out what those numbers are, uh, just like they were able to figure out downloadable consciousness. You
0: know, the seed of life is sacred geometry.
3: That there you go. That may be what sacred geometry is. Yeah. The, the seed of life, yeah. but also the seed of the physical world. Yeah.
0: yeah. Jeez. Right. Well, I think that was
3: fantastic.
2: Well, uh. before we go, we got to get you to talk about, uh, your, uh, the bit movie, or what was the thing you were talking about? Uh? Yeah.
3: So, uh, Bitmovio which is bitmov.io bitmove.io okay. is a new uh, website uh, it's like a YouTube but it's for the paranormal community and then we have sci-fi and horror so we have certain genres that we're focused on but more and more we're seeing censorship on places like YouTube particularly for some of this edgy content uh, and you know you're seeing channels being demonetized and you're seeing you know, uh, lots of uh, censorship on Facebook elsewhere. And so it's kind of a combination of YouTube with Netflix, with a Patreon where you can support your favorite content creators. Uh, and the whole thing is gamified. So it's a freemium model. You know, I come out of the gaming world. Uh, and the idea is you can have virtual currency, you can watch videos and earn points, and then you can use those points to pay for movies, but also to tip and gift your favorite content creators. And so we got a lot of folks... You know, from the UFO paranormal oh, world, fantastic. who have set up on there, and uh, yeah, so we'd love to see Grand America on there. Oh and, yeah, uh,
2: for sure, that's fantastic. We're waiting for something like that. I mean, we, are you gonna are you gonna accept Libra when it comes around?
3: <laughs> yeah, so there's a cryptocurrency no, element. It, to just it. send your cash. No, <laughs> <Well>, not necessarily <laughs> no, Libra, no, but there's a there's a cryptocurrency you know element to it, yeah. which means you can have a distributed currency. Yeah. Even now, you can pay with Ether. Uh, so you can get around, you know, having to pay using credit cards, et cetera. Oh, that's uh, great! Built so yeah. site already. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's
2: great. I mean, we've been talking about a way to just uh, micro payment or tip tip shows and tip things that you're, you know instead of going through the traditional. You know, what else is happening is PayPal and you know these uh, problems with Patreon as well. So at least that gives people another way to support their their favorite content without going through the.
0: I the can't be trusted system, with man. cryptocurrency. I know. <laughs> I've lost it all. Yeah. Actually, the all? new <laughs> cryptocurrency is safe because I've forgotten the password. So Jordan, <laughs> really buddy. That reminds me
3: of the, the Big Bang Theory episode where they had mined a bunch of Bitcoin and they were trying to f- find that that uh, laptop from a couple
0: of years <laughs> oh, ago. I'm going to end up, when Bitcoin's <laughs> if McAfee's right, I don't know if he's right or not, but he says Bitcoin's going to a million. So I'm going to end up having sent some fella a half a million dollars.
3: <laughs> wow. <That's like laughs> well, it was who, only
0: 110 at the uh, time.
3: Seven million. Yeah, it was only one hundred. Uh, it was only one hundred
0: and ten at the time.
3: That's about when I started buying Bitcoin. I used to go to like downtown Mountain View and pull out a hundred dollars from Bank of America and give it to somebody, and they would give me one Bitcoin oh, on awesome. my uh, on my phone. So that was back in two thousand thirteen. But it's been through a lot of ups and downs since then.
0: <laughs> I try not to think about it anymore.
3: I even i i, I emailed Buddy I was like, I don't know why I
0: sent it to the wrong address, and I emailed Buddy, and I was like, dude, I accidentally sent you those bitcoins, and he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> So then I sent him a screenshot of it, and then he just blocked me.
3: (laughs) I had the same problem with PayPal, where some guy that I had paid for Bitcoin claimed I never paid, uh, you know, that he had paid me for the Bitcoin. He got PayPal to basically take back his money, but I had already sent him the Bitcoin. And so basically, I got screwed from those, you know, couple of Bitcoin that that I had sold him at that point in time. So there is you know, some, some issues with some that. Bitcoin
0: but, fuckery, yeah. but it's all your own fault. That's the thing, right? That's what Macau, He's said. Like, well, he's like, you got to be able to not, uh, not, you got to be able to handle your own shit. He's like, that's the thing about freedom. <laughs> he, he's <laughs> like, you're responsible yeah, for yourself.
3: There, there, there are ways to have cryptocurrency without having to necessarily have all the private keys and remember everything. And that's, you know, within Telegram or Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another company, I'm an investor in them, so full disclosure, called Button Wallet. And within Telegram, you can send cryptocurrency from one guy to another by using their username. And same with uh, Discord, eventually they're going to be able to do that as well. Oh, nice. oh so, we could
0: use that, yeah.
3: Yeah, so so that, 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 you know, we think it'll get better so it's not so hard for people to use eventually. And with BidMovio, that's the idea is that, you know, we're, Sort of against censorship and and too much centralized control, and so we wanted a cryptocurrency way to do uh, micro payments. But you can also still just use your credit card, which is what most people are using now. Yeah, yeah. But you can buy the the movie bits and you can pay the content creator. You give them like forty nine cents, or you can buy a virtual gift, which is worth ten dollars. You know, you can you you can use that to tip uh, the, the your favorite creators and support your channel.
0: That awesome. That's so fantastic. did you say you're part of Discord as well?
3: Yep. Uh, yeah, I was an early investor in in Discord. Um, I, I know the the founder Jason Citrin back, uh, you know when he was a, just a game company. So we. I'm a Nitro with... member. So oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: So just tell your buddies there to let the Grimerica server be. We're good people. <laughs> There's some sketchy shit in there once in a while, but overall we're pretty well behaved.
3: <laughs> there you go. So what hey, I talked about. See if I can mention that.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, we got an in at Zoom now too. Shameless is working at Zoom, oh, right so he's on. working on comping our accounts. Nice.
2: Any other uh, links? Is
0: infiltrating. Any other links we should the put simulation. in the show
3: notes or anything like that for your, uh, I'll put your website in there. Twitter. Put his Twitter. Yeah. So my website is, you know, zenentrepreneur.com. Uh, and people can learn more about the book there or they can get it on Amazon or, uh, uh you know, at their local bookstore. I'm a big supporter of local bookstores. So, you know, go to your local Barnes and Noble and can order it there as well. Nice. Right
0: on. Well, if you want to join the chats, Riz, it's Gramerica.ca slash chats. We'd love to have you. We'll give you a special color and everything. <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah. and come back anytime. Honestly, this has been a blast. Yeah, it's been really fun.
2: Thanks. Thanks yeah, so
3: much. A lot of fun. Thanks yeah. for having me. And yeah. I look forward to being on again sometime. Right.
0: Awesome. Okay. Have a, Enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Okay. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: And that was our chat with Rizwan's Virk. What would you think, that buddy? Was
2: great. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, one of my favorites, a book, done lot. Sometimes <laughs> when you read a book, it's hard to know what what the conversation is going to be like. You know, the book's all laid out, but this was this was very uh, entertaining and interesting. More stuff kind of clicked with me, and yeah, it was good.
0: I like. To see, I can tell when stuff's clicking. Good. I can see it click. I can almost hear it sometimes.
2: I want to get him to try my my sister's uh, VR game.
0: Oh, like I'm the, sure it's yeah. a
2: possibility. Yeah, Someone tells me that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be good because it's really immersive.
0: The beauty Booker America is we just end up being friends with all our guests. So I'm sure we'll be able to. There you go. We'll join his platform. We'll get him to check out your sister's oh, yeah, game. Check that out. And uh, we'll have him on the show again. That was fantastic. I wasn't sure what to expect with the MIT. You know, you never really know. <laughs> I didn't read the book. So, I, you know, I go into these things blind. But, fuck, you know, some people you just uh, have a great time oh, with. Oh, yeah. yeah I didn't I,
2: I forgot or I didn't realize how much he was into th- the stuff we are, too. Oh. All, the, all the guests he talked about that we've had on and UFOs and NDEs and paranormal. That's yeah, fantastic. The
0: chats loved it. We got 30, 40 bucks in super chats. All right. YouTube subscriptions are good to go for another couple months, buddy. Um, Seriously, though, uh, Super Chats do help. It helps us. uh, It gives us incentive for going live because we really don't have one. it's just a lot more pressure, a lot more work. Uh Plus we, don't really we know you guys are watching us. We don't wanna be live. But then we see a super chat comes through and it cheers us up <laughs> and it makes it kind of worth it. So yeah, hit the super chat, that helps with the live thing. Of course, grimerica.ca slash support, which is what helps us keep uncensored and uh, makes us unaffected by YouTube demonetizations and things like that. Uh, so as long as you guys continue to pay us, which you, which at least one out of a hundred of you do, we're trying to get that number up to two out of a hundred. Is at least, did it break
2: the 1%? I
0: think we're at about 1% oh, right good. now. If right. I add up all the platforms, we're closing in on 1%. Nice. I think we've got, I mean, we usually don't, you know what, you know, we're closing in on almost 500 supporters, That's good. which I think across the board is probably around 1%. Yeah,
2: that's good.
0: So there we go. Uh, let's go for two. Uh, let's go for 2%. I mean, we've done the thing. Of, we've doubled our value. Now we're asking you guys to double your value. Go slash support. I'll tell you what. Sign up for, we're trying to get to 200 patrons by the end of July. But, uh, if you want to do PayPal or something like that instead, I'll count those two. You know, we, we just want more support. We want why,
2: why did you make a patrons to begin with?
0: Cause it was easier to count. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Full disclosure. Because it just James gives, it gives lasers, you an actual number. Easier tracking.
0: <laughs> yeah. But PayPal actually takes a less percentage. But, I mean, we're just going for more supporters. So, honestly, you know, we're trying this thing out. We're seeing if the extra work we'll, we'll, we can get, you know, a few of the 99 out of 100 of you that, that won't support the show to say, hey, I will support the show for a couple bucks a month. And, and if enough of you do that, then we'll feel a little more appreciated. And looks like it's worth our time to spend twice as much time in the studio. Recording content because it's, it's, uh, it's fun. We don't mind doing it. It is a lot of work. It takes us out of our family lives and everything else. And, uh, and we're trying to take this thing to the next level. And we, we honestly, we can't do that without support. We're kind of teetering between two worlds here. So gramericaca support. Help us, uh, dip into one dimension. Anything else? That's it. That's it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
1: while it got soaked, the money ran out. Oh, the mud was gold, the ground was cold, my dignity was never bought nor sold. Oh, choose a career, get your mind clear. Atone for your green. You atone for your green with the electric messiah. But that's just your The money ran out. Oh, the ground was cold. The mud was cold. My dignity was never bought nor sold. Oh, choose a career, get your mind clear, keep up with the Jones. your